This is absolutely a crazy story. The former president of Honduras, Juan Orlando Hernandez, has been arrested on drug charges. Responsible for moving more than 500,000 kilos of cocaine since 2004. Now, the U.S. is calling for his arrest and extradition. There's no other way to put it. The biggest international drug trafficking case since El Chapo. Upset that this is bigger than El Chapo. This is bigger than Pablo Escobar because neither of those men were ever president of a country. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Days after he finished his presidency in Honduras, Juan Orlando Hernandez was arrested. Over 100 Honduran police officers surrounded his home, then took him into custody. United States prosecutors accused the former president of being involved in a drug trafficking ring with his younger brother. Prosecutors in New York have repeatedly accused the former president of involvement in drug trafficking, alleging his political rise was fueled by drug profits. Hernandez will be facing trial in New York, adding to a short list of former Latin American presidents to be extradited to the United States. But how did the former president and his family become involved in a cocaine and weapons trafficking scandal? When the news of the arrest and the extradition request of the former president came out, we knew we had to talk to a Honduran covering the story. My name is Manuel Rapalo. I'm a correspondent for Al Jazeera English based in Mexico, but I really cover the region as a whole. Manny, this is an extraordinary case. The first former president of Honduras to be extradited to the U.S. to face charges. Tell us, how did Juan Orlando Hernandez end up detained just days after he left the presidency? These accusations date back to the beginning of Juan Orlando's presidency eight years ago. Accusations of facilitating the trafficking of hundreds of tons of narcotics Uh, specifically cocaine from South America, countries like Colombia and Venezuela, through Central America, Honduras, and ultimately into the United States. It's a spectacular fall from grace for one of Central America's most powerful men who ruled Honduras for eight years. A U.S. federal indictment for trafficking cocaine to the United States. These allegations have been known, but I think a lot of political analysts and security experts that I've spoken to in Honduras see this as it was a waiting game for the United States, in other words. So they were simply waiting for the moment where Hernandez's term in office was over for them to pursue legal action, to pursue extradition, which is what we're seeing play out. Tell us about the arrest, because it must be quite striking to see your former president led out of his home in handcuffs. Everything happened actually very quickly. Video emerged showing Juan Orlando Hernandez being escorted from his home in a bulletproof vest with his wrists and ankles in chains. From the moment that the announcement of the extradition had been made, the arrest warrant followed shortly after, and then police just surrounded the home of the former Honduran president with an excessive show of force. I think a lot of people 
just seeing the president in handcuffed and in chains being escorted by dozens of police officers wearing hoods over their faces. It was very shocking. So I think just from a very human standpoint, many people in Honduras felt very sorry for their president, for a man who days, weeks before was the president of a country, the head of the National Armed Forces, now being escorted away by police and in chains. So just visually, it was very striking and almost surreal. But then I think people were also immediately feeling embarrassed mm. about how Honduras and the image of the country looked upon the eyes of the international community. Wow. And this was in February, less than three weeks after he left the presidency. So many break down what happened. What is this case about? Because I know it also involves another Hernandez. Right. Tony Hernandez, the younger brother of Juan Orlando Hernandez, was the president of Congress in Honduras just before he was arrested and sentenced to life in prison by a U.S. federal court over similar drug trafficking charges. Wow. Un juez federal de Nueva York sentenció hoy a Tony Hernández a cadena perpetua más 30 años por el delito de narcotráfico. Manhattan U.S. attorney accused Tony Hernández of being, quote, involved in all stages of the trafficking through Honduras of multi-ton loads of cocaine. Tony Hernández reportedly ran cocaine labs in Honduras and Colombia, where he stamped packets of drugs with his initials TH. So the allegations against Juan Orlando Hernández, of facilitating the trafficking of narcotics from South America through Honduras into the United States. All of this dates back to the beginning of his presidency, even before that. And what U.S. prosecutors are alleging, just to give you one example of these charges and one of these sort of shocking revelations that have come up during separate drug trafficking charges. So last year, the leader of a drug cartel in Honduras, the cartels known as Los Cachiros, he was testifying at a New York court in the drug trial of another alleged drug trafficker named Giovanni Fuentes Ramirez. And what was alleged is that the head of that cartel, the Cachitos cartel, had bribed Juan Orlando Hernandez $250,000 in exchange for protection from capture and extradition to the United States. The money was allegedly paid in 2012, when Juan Orlando Hernandez was the head of Honduras's Congress. During his testimony, Davis Rivera, former leader of the Cachiros cartel, said they delivered the cash to the president's now-deceased sister, Hilda. So this is just one example. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. This isn't just one person who, you know, is in charge of all of this. Juan Orlando Hernández was not personally traveling to South America and then delivering drugs to the United States. What's alleged is that Hernández gave protection to certain cartels while cracking down on others. Mm -hmm. And there's even allegations of million-dollar deals with El Chapo, the head of the Sinaloa cartel. So tell me more about that connection with the Mexican narco kingpin Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, because most people know his name. How is the Mexican kingpin connected to what is happening in Honduras? I'll give you sort of the Reader's Digest version of, of how this is all playing out, not just in Honduras, but in the region as a whole. And you could date everything back to 2006, the start of the drug war uh, in Mexico, which splintered drug cartels. And in 2009, there was a coup in Honduras. Democratically elected president Mel Celaya was ousted. In came the National Party of Honduras. But there was also a power vacuum playing out in 2009. So a lot of the drug cartels from Mexico start moving south, fleeing the drug war there. And they enter Honduras, sort of uh, seizing on an opportunity to bribe 
a lot of publicly elected officials. And that really is the beginning of this very close relationship between drug cartels in Honduras and in Mexico. We talked before about the president's brother, Tony Hernandez, who's serving a life sentence in the United States. His trial brought up many allegations against the former president, showing evidence of the connection between Juan Orlando and El Chapo. Prosecutors from the Southern District of New York alleged that the Mexican drug lord had personally handed Tony $1 million to pass on to his brother, Juan Orlando, for his campaign. And when we talk about this sort of image that the United States had of Honduras as a very staunch partner in the war on drugs, all the while under the table, the Hernandez government, with the help of many people within his party, including members of his own family, were undermining U.S. interests. So tell us about how this operation worked. Why is Honduras significant when it comes to drug trafficking? Geographically, Honduras is just strategically placed for many reasons. Right smack in the middle of Central America, it acts as a land bridge for drugs that are being uh, smuggled from South America. They arrive in Honduras and then move north through Mexico and eventually into the United States. Wow. We're talking about planes that are flying from uh, Venezuela, Colombia, Bolivia, flying very low into an area of Honduras in the northeastern part of the country known as La Mosquitia. This is a gigantic biosphere reserve. So it's just, it's mountains and jungle, and it's perfect for smuggling drugs. We have this thing in Honduras called the Juvia de Narcoavionetas. How would I translate this as the it rains narco aircraft. So Juvia de Narco Avioneta, it rains narco aircraft. The pilots will uh, fly and fly above the jungle. They'll drop narcotics with GPS trackers where people can come and pick them up and then move them as they will. There are speedboats. Wow, it's sophisticated. This is very sophisticated. This is why we talk about drug traffickers always being almost uh, one step ahead of law enforcement. They're using speedboats, they're using submarines. Wow. Homemade submarines that uh, come in through estuaries and deliver drugs. There are other illicit drug routes that go through El Salvador and into Guatemala, ultimately in, into Mexico from there. But we are talking about a very sophisticated international drug trafficking conspiracy. Manuel said that Honduras's location is not only relevant for drug trafficking, the country is also geopolitically crucial to the United States. The United States has one of its Air Force base outside of its national territory in Honduras. Honduras has, for many years, for decades, has been considered one of the United States' most important allies in the region to offset political instability and civil wars in countries like Nicaragua and El Salvador and in Guatemala and to offset geopolitically against a rising socialist movement in South America. Can you give me a little bit more background on the former president? Who is Juan Orlando Hernandez? Juan Orlando Hernandez comes from fairly humble beginnings. Mm. He's from Gracias, Lempira, in the southern part of the country. It's a very mountainous region. It's a very beautiful part of the country, but it's also very rural. He was a coffee farmer before he got into politics. Nonetheless, he is part of a very political family. We mentioned his younger brother, Tony Hernandez. 
His sister held powerful positions in Honduras over three separate presidential administrations, that of Porfirio Lobo, Ricardo Maduro, and of her brother, Juan Orlando Hernández. He's also been accused of being one of the most corrupt leaders in all of Latin America. So to give you a sense of who Juan Orlando Hernández is, a man who came from humble beginnings, saw a quick rise to power, surrounded himself with a great many corrupt people and took over the country, turning it into, for lack of a better term, a narco state. And yet was still an ally of the United States. So why was it important for the U.S. to be an ally of Honduras in its war on drugs, this U.S.-led initiative to stop the illegal drug trade? What was the significance? It's hubris. It's hubris. Juan Orlando Hernández enjoyed a very close relationship with both the Trump White House and the Obama presidency. Um, even during the Trump administration, where we were seeing those huge waves of migration from Central America, the vast majority of these migrants from Honduras saying that what they were fleeing was violence, poverty, political instability. They were fleeing conditions that were being created by the country's president, Juan Orlando Hernández. So there was this very close uh, relationship. That relationship, you could see that it was starting to sour right from the very beginning of the Biden administration. Last year, Ricardo Zuniga was appointed the U.S. Special Envoy by the United States to the Northern Triangle of Central America. The Northern Triangle is Honduras, Guatemala, and El Salvador. But Zuniga deliberately skipped his visit to Honduras. And I think that the message that this sent was that the United States, under a Biden administration, was not going to continue a charade of supporting a staunch U.S. ally who, under the table, was undermining U.S. interests. Honduras just got a new president, the first female one, Xiomara Castro. So what is the state of Honduras today? Juan Orlando Hernández did make very big improvements in reducing violence, specifically related to, to gang violence. That's not to say that violence is not still a problem. It is. What's happened is that the country's image has been tarnished by eight years of an administration that practically ran everything to the ground and forced a massive flight of people. So I think that when you take all of that into consideration to answer your question about the incoming president, there's a lot wrong that needs to be fixed. Xiomara Castro, she's Honduras's first female president. She ran on a platform of overhauling the country's judicial system, of overturning many uh, oppressive laws that were put in place during the Juan Orlando Hernandez years, including a abortion ban. Honduras is one of the few countries in the world that has a total ban on abortion. So she's promised to overturn that. She's promised to be tough on corruption, but we have not yet seen her go after members of her own party who there are also allegations of being corrupt. So it's still very early in the government for the rest of us to judge. And ultimately, there's just a lot to fix. You're describing a scenario in which it sounds like the new president, Xiomara Castro, might not know who to trust, especially if she's attempting to be tough on crime. What do you think that looks like? I think I'll answer that with a very kind of worrisome anecdote that I was told by a very high-level official within the president's new government, talking about the day of the arrest of the former Honduran president. There were just dozens and dozens of police officers surrounding the president's home, and it was all police. What I was told 
was that the Honduran security forces, the army of the country, were invited to participate. But the armed forces chose not to. They chose not to participate. And what seems to be a concern within the new government is that those loyalties by Honduran security forces, by the Honduran army, still lie with their former president. So this represents, again, one of these many challenges of not only purifying a corrupt law enforcement system, but knowing who you can trust in those efforts. So on your trips to Honduras, what are you hearing from the people? Are they following this case? This unfortunately has turned into a circus in Honduras. On the day of the arrest, the general attitudes from people was celebration. There were caravans and parades on the streets of several cities. We are here to celebrate. We're here to celebrate the narco dictatorship that is failing today with its greatest leader. That's not to say that the president didn't have supporters. There were also people that were outside of the Supreme Court who were genuinely sad and concerned and praying for the former president. We are supporting our president in peace. So a dignified process is carried out and his rights are respected. We just want our president to realize he's not alone. Some people say, oh, why was there such a big show of police just to arrest one man? Others saying, no, you needed to have an example made. And I think that really is today the big attitude that many people have. What do we know about what happens next with this extradition case? So far with the Juan Orlando Hernandez extradition case, everything has happened more or less the same way that we've seen with previous extradition cases. Once in the United States, Juan Orlando Hernandez is going to appear before a federal court in New York where he will have to explain himself. This is the scenario really that we're looking at. Juan Orlando Hernandez is going to be standing in front of a judge who's going to ask him, for years, people around you were conducting drug trafficking. They were facilitating the trafficking of drugs from South America to the United States. Million dollar deals were being made. The Social Security Administration of the country was being ransacked to fund your political campaign. Corruption was rampant and you didn't know. That's what he's going to have to somehow prove. Manny, for you, as a Honduran who reports about your country to an international audience, what do you personally think that a case like this means for the people of Honduras, for the war on drugs that has affected so many people and so many lives? I'm optimistic that this is going to send a message. I'm optimistic that this will maybe change the way people outside of Honduras see the country. Specifically, and not to sound boring, but just in economic terms, just in terms of foreign investment so that the country can start to really rise up, you know? I don't know. I don't know. I, th I think you really stunned me with that question. I'm hopeful, but I'm scared. I'm really concerned. Because this isn't something that changes overnight. You can't just change a system by taking out the head of that system. You almost have to break the wheel. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Ney Alvarez with Amy Walters, Nagin Oliai, Ruby Zaman, Alexandra Locke, and me, Malika Bilal. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Aya Almilek and Munira Altosari are our engagement producers. And Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer. 
We'll be back on Wednesday with a guest host behind the mic. Enjoy. Enjoy.